This is an emergency edition of the CHGO Fire Podcast. There is fire news, although really isn't news when absolutely nothing changes yet again. I'm Alex Campbell. We're back, maybe not exactly as we would have expected, as it was announced this morning that Frank Klopas, for the second time in his career, is no longer the Chicago Fire interim coach. He is now the Chicago Fire head coach. Uh, That's gotten plenty of a reaction. Most of it not very good as the comments on the video here are already showing. Uh, So we figured we'd delve into this and to do that, first of all, I am joined in studio here in Studio A at CHGO Studios by Mr. Joe Chats. Joe, welcome back. Great to have you. Always a pleasure to be in Studio A. Always a pleasure. Yeah, love the big comfy seats. Shout out to the whole CHGO crew doing great work down (laughs) in Nashville. Nothing to do with Nashville. Yeah, nothing to do with Nashville at the winter meetings. Uh, Shout out to Kevin Kaduck, our fearless leader for tossing to us before this one <laughs> and tune into all the CHGO White Sox and CHGO Cub stuff, even if Mr. Shohei Otani probably isn't moving to Chicago, but a man who's already here with us both in Chicago and on this podcast, Tim Hatza from Men in Red 97. Tim, thank you for jumping on with us. The first of two Men in Red voices we'll hear on today's podcast. Thanks for having me again. Great to have you back. So let's just dive right in, guys. Um, Frank Klopas, who after Ezra Hendrickson was fired midway through last season, took the final 24 games in interim charge. The fire did get better than they had been, but of course they did not make the playoffs. Um, Frank Lobos, as the club pointed out today in the press release, has the third highest winning percentage in club history. But as you can see on the screen, that's a little misleading because if you go by actual points per match, he's just right down in the uh, center of the pack, which is to say Frank gets fewer draws than most fire coaches has, which, you know, I kind of appreciate Frank Lobos games are in theory, more interesting than average. But, you know, the, the best fire coaches ever are all those guys from the 90s. I just want to start with all our reactions. Tim, as the guy who's joining us remotely, we'll start with you. I, I know all of us who are kind of around this had heard rumors and kind of had a feeling this is where we were going. But when it became official this morning, what were your first thoughts? To be honest, I think that it was just just like you said, it's, it's more of a feeling of um, sort of confirmation. I think that a lot of fans had suspected that Frank was coming back as well. So, um, you know, I think the lack of surprise, especially after Heights came back, I I think that a lot of fans and and a lot of us in the media as well were sort of like, well, we kind of knew this was coming. It was going to be another, you know, all that's old is new again situation. Yeah, and it's this very strange circumstance where basically everybody's on one of your contracts. Like, that was the thing in MLS for a very long time. Like, before the advent of free agency and everything, and when MLS's rules were even more arcane than they still are, basically nobody knew year to year if they had a job. And so now the entire fire organization just works that way because regardless of how good they do this season, they could be great, but still, we're going to get to the end of this season, this coming season, and Joe Mansueto and others are going to have to decide if everybody is staying because everyone's contracts will have expired. Joe, with this news, you know, we see seeing some debate in the comments already. The fire were better under Frank Klopas last year, but it's not really about that, I feel like, at this point. It's not really about Frank so much as it is about the lack of change from top to bottom. Yes, Frank can be a metaphorical idea in this for the sake of argument, but it is the lack of change. It's the lack of change once Ezra was swapped out. From the players, from management, the idea was just it's a different voice, but no real change substantively in how the team operates. 
the whole one-year contract thing, I can tell you there's a lot of players that feel uh, no sympathy or anything towards that. That's how their entire careers have been. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think we can empathize with that a little bit. But in this team, it feels like opportunities are being wasted by perhaps a lack of ambition with some of these hires. And when you're so close to making the playoffs something that shouldn't be that hard it's hard not to be upset at more of the same. And it's something all of us in Chicago can really try to hope for a different type of change. Yeah, congratulations to the Chicago Fire on truly <laughs> becoming a Chicago sports team by just finding new and innovative ways to disappoint fans. Yeah. The, as a White Sox fan, that's uh, very, very relatable. But, you know, we did actually hear via Fire social media channels from Frank Klopas today. So if you're watching on YouTube, we'll show you. And if you're just listening on the podcast, you will hear what Frank Klopas had to say about being named the full head coach of the Fire once again. I have never made it a secret of how much I care for and love this club. Chicago is my home, and there isn't anything I wouldn't do to help this club become successful. Stepping back on the field is where I feel I can best help this club now and for the future. I want to build a culture of winning. It's the mentality I want from every player that puts on a fire jersey. A winning mentality where everyone will do whatever it takes for the success of the club. Our goal shouldn't be just to sneak into the playoffs. We want to build a team that is competing to win trophies every year. I'm also very grateful to our owner, Joe Mansuero, for putting his trust in me. He's a great human being who cares a lot about this team and the city, and he wants to build a winning organization. I also want to thank our great fans for their unwavering support, and I can't wait to see them next year cheering the team on at Soldier Field. So a lot of good words there uh, from Frank. Tim, uh, I, I want to know, I kind of smiled here when you hear him say the winning mentality. Uh, what winning mentality is he talking about? This team hasn't won in, you know, this team hasn't won since Frank was playing for it, really, other than <laughs> 2017. I, I, I just wonder, what do you think when other people in the organization hear this? What, what's the, it's kind of got to fall on deaf ears a bit, right? Yeah, I, I think that part of it, one thing that I think the team has made a really strong effort to do is kind of get people from that era of when the team was winning into jobs in the organization. And, and Klopas is obviously a part of that. I think the question is always just because you are winning as a player, can you translate that into winning in other roles with the club? And I mean, the, the club did point out in their press release, Klopas has a winning record as head coach at the Chicago fire. Mm -hmm. uh, he's currently six games above 500. So, you know, to be honest it, with a full season of Frank Klopas, if, if the team performs a little bit worse than they did last year, that winning record is being put in jeopardy. If they perform better, obviously, he can just add to that that lead. But I think that a lot of – the glass right now always feels half empty if you're a Fire fan. And, you know, so it's nice to hear Frank, Joe, actually say the words that we heard him say because we also got this from uh, Sporting Director Georg Heitz in the press release quote we conducted a thorough process with numerous well-qualified candidates and we believe that frank klopas is the right person to lead the team frank is hardworking, has strong relationships with our players and staff and knows what it takes to be successful in this league during the interview process frank laid out a clear plan to create a winning culture and mentality within the club and we are all aligned on the areas that we need to strengthen to be much more competitive in 2024 we will work closely with frank to improve the roster and finalize his coaching staff for the upcoming season. Uh, Joe, that's a lot of words that I feel like said a whole lot of nothing. I love word salad, and that's what that was. 
a thorough search to end up at the same spot where you began is either a poor search or simply a waste of money. That's what blows my mind about this whole search process is Mansueto and his people are not dumb people. They're very good at what they do. Largely just hasn't resulted in soccer results on pitch results that benefit. That's why my honest question, the first question would be in this press conference for Georg or whoever was there is was Frank the first person you offered this job to? And if that's the case, I think that's very telling of how this entire process went because just to end up in the same spot, year by year, there's so much variance in this sport, in this league. It just, it blows my mind. And, and that word salad, great. What else are you going to say? Right. Great marketing words, great on SEO. It was a good press release. I know I use that quote in my story. It's just what you got to do. But it's just so, there's no ambition with it. And Frank can bring a lot out of a roster, but I feel like we kind of saw where that roster can take you and it's not necessarily the playoffs well yeah that's that's the thing that's been the mystery the whole time is that Mansueto has shown a willingness to invest I know he's doing incredible spending with the youth teams and the travel accommodations have mm-hmm. been second to none basically and the you know just the the, the uh, resources the teams and the players and their families have on the road are fantastic obviously there's this new training center that's being constructed that's costing a lot of money it, it's 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 just odd, I guess. So, Tim, we're, we're kind of going in and out of this no man's land of the next month. The European transfer window opens in January, MLS then after, and that's kind of when we see things start to churn. I, I guess where, as someone, you know, there's so many people out there who care so deeply about the team, and you guys at Men in Red have kind of become, right now, one of the voices for this. Where's kind of just your head and your heart at as somebody who does feel that connection when you look at, you know, what what's going to be sticking with you for this next month before we get any real news of any other sort? Yeah, I mean, I think that there is a, a lot of sort of almost despondency in a way. I, I think when you look at social media, that that's kind of been a common reaction is that fans just want there to be good news and more news of the same doesn't seem like good news when the results haven't been good enough. And I think that for... Chicago Fire fans who are also USMNT fans where there's a lot of overlap. This just kind of brings exactly what happened with the US men's national team coaching search back where right. they went through an elaborate process. They, they talked about, you know, psychological testing they gave on coaches that apparently Burhalter set up and then they landed with Greg Burhalter, who apparently looks really good at the test that Greg Burhalter chose, you know, and I think that <laughs> the Klopa signing sort of has a similar feeling to it where it's like, a, are, are we so like, are we just out of ideas? And that's, it's depressing to feel like you're out of ideas at a point when the previous season is technically still going on with MLS Cup this Saturday. Yeah, we're actually going to get more into that comparison when we talk to your uh, co-worker, Alex Calabrese, because I think there are some parallels with the Greg Berhalter situation, but I think also there's some things that, that are a little different. The, the biggest one being that uh, the fire did not make the tournament that they were supposed to, uh, the playoff format that they were supposed to get into that has more teams than a World Cup knockout stage, which is insane that a domestic league has more than 16 teams in its playoffs. But that is for another day. Uh, Tim, thanks so much for jumping on here briefly with us. We really, really appreciate your time. Check out everything Tim's doing over at Men in Red 97. They're collectively doing a lot of good work. Shout out to also saw Matt Shabelman's in the in the chat, kind of the uh, the leader over there. And um, 
Matt, uh, he asked a realistic signing, so before we get Tim out of here, I'll just say that I'll do some other fan service. I'll do some Jake Payne service and say let's go get Thomas Muller from uh, – from Bayern Munich, that would be that, that would be fun. I like that idea. Anyway, Tim, thank you so much. You can follow him on Twitter at Sing underscore Electric. Tim, we'll talk to you soon again here on CHGO Fire. Thanks for having me. Before we get to our friend, the other Alex that contributes to the show, a couple words from some of the people who make this podcast possible first is hero bread which has become a big quick favorite here around the chgo offices due to its ability to fit into so many different diets and be healthier and more nutritious than the bread you might be useful used to excuse me and it's still so soft and has great texture there's lots of Again, nutritional upside is it's super high in fiber, low in net carbs, and each slice has zero grams of sugar. I know it's that time of year where we're all looking for ways to save on the sugar and put it elsewhere in our holiday consumption. You can go to onto Hero Bread's website and use code CHGO for 10% off. That's at hero.co, H-E-R-O dot C-O, where they make sliced breads, buns, and zero net carb tortillas that are all available both on hero.co and you can also buy them on Amazon. And right now, again, Hero Bread offering the CHGO family 10% off your first order. Go to, go to hero.co, H-E-R-O dot C-O, and use code CHGO to save on Hero Bread today. That's H-E-R-O dot C-O to save 10% today. We are also brought to you by Circa Sportsbook, one of the new and most exciting sports books out there and has made a big, big impact here in Chicago and on us here at CHGO. There's a lot of things that make Circa different than the sports book you might be used to. They really focus on tight money line splits and a low hold model, which allows Circa Sports to keep as little money as possible on large market bets, which means more money in your pocket. They've got high limits on the app and everything is super transparent. You're not limited based on prior winnings and every player has the same limits unlike other books who might throttle that based on how much you wager. And Circa encourages bettors to download and explore all the sports betting apps that are available because they're confident that you will come back and choose them. They've also got great customer service with real people behind their brand resolving issues in a timely fashion. No chatbots like you might be used to. And all aspects of the Circa Sports Book app are run by the same team that run the main Circa Sportsbook at the Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. So download the Circa Sports Illinois app at circasports.com slash Illinois app to sign up today. That is circasports.com slash Illinois app. And also be on the lookout for Circa events, watch parties, and tailgates near you. If you or someone you know may have a problem with gambling, call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. Or text GAMB, G-A-M-B, to 833-234. Or visit areyoureallywinning.com. So, Joe, Frank Klopas is the Fires coach. Let's mm-hmm. dive in a bit more to how exactly that happened. And to do that, we're going to be joined by a very familiar friend of the podcast calling in from upstate New York. Alex Calabrese, how are you, Alex? Thanks for taking time out of the busy, busy life of a college student to join us here on CHGO Fire. Hey, Alex. Thanks for, <clears throat> thanks for having me on the show again. It's a, it's a very big day. So, uh, yeah, happy to be here. Are you hosting a pregame, Alex? Uh, yeah, we've no, got we some very ambient lighting. It is we a Tuesday. 
it's cold in Syracuse. He needs to do something. I mean, yeah, I, I, I imagine that every night is a basically a Friday night in winter in Syracuse, in Syracuse, <laughs> New York. Uh, anyway, um, Alex, you tweeted out earlier today after we saw um, the announcement of Frank. You also had the story earlier today that there were 12 candidates, including MLS coaches, assistants, and Premier League assistants that were you know, that were considered that we don't know. And I don't know if you want to say interview necessarily. And they end up back on Frank Klopas. That's going to draw a lot of, a lot of eyes because that is, that is a lot of people to go through and a pretty wide ranging process that took a couple months to, to end up back here and to have quotes like a height saying they're confident. Frank is the best guy for the job. Can you, can you offer us a, any further insight there on how was, is this process as extensive as they made it sound? Yeah, so what I do know for sure is that one of the questions a lot of people were asking is why did it take so long? Like, sure, you had 12 candidates and you ended up with Klopas. Why did it take so long if you were just going to come back to Klopas? From how I understand it, they did want to actually seriously consider some of these candidates. So they had to wait for teams to be eliminated from the playoffs or from postseason contention to interview those candidates. And also they were going above and beyond to make sure that they – stayed within league protocol for the the Rooney rule where you need to interview minority candidates as well. So from my understanding, that's why it took so long. But how did it come back to Frank after all that? I can't read the mind of Georg Heitz. I don't have the answer on why specifically he was hired other than they just thought he was the best candidate for the job out of the candidates who I guess would have been willing to take the job. Maybe there were candidates who they would have preferred but did not take the job. They might not want to come to Chicago for whatever reason. Maybe they want to go for a bigger job in another country or they don't want to leave their current post. But it sounds to me like they think Frank was just the best guy for the job who was available. Okay, you hit on a lot of things there that I had already earmarked that we definitely want to get into. Um, The first of those is waiting until candidates were available because their seasons were over. That's an interesting one because as far as we could tell, the person who finished runner-up last year to Ezra Hendrickson was Antai Razov, who is the top assistant for Steve Chirundolo at LAFC. Of course, LAFC will be playing in MLS Cup this coming weekend. Thus, Razov would not have been available yet, so that's interesting to hear that he would not have had the opportunity to be interviewed. Um, Joe, before we get into some of those details... When you saw it was that much that that wide of a net, and that we've even got Premier League assistants getting interviewed, did you did your mind go to the same place Alex's did that? You know, maybe these people just weren't that interested. Well, if you want to do some digging, I think we can find a certain Premier League assistant who might have just taken another job in the league that could fill a certain gap, and a former Chicago Fire legend who also would apply to maybe a Premier League former head coach. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. They exist. But but again, the the process (laughs) is so bizarre for me because what Alex brought up was maybe, you know, coming to this decision after maybe some other people had said no. And that's very familiar with this front office. How did the team end up with Kai Kamara at the last second? People didn't necessarily want to come here. He had a relationship with Ezra Hendrickson. Why was Doombia the option as the DP at the end of last year? Because they called him during the offseason and said, do you want to do this? And he said, sure. That doesn't sound like a first option to me in all these cases. 
and I'm just so curious. And Alex, you know these things better. Young Alex, sorry. Uh, know these things better than anybody. But it's Alex Jr. <laughs> Alex Jr. Here he's Alex Jr. Younger Elsewhere Alex. he can be just Alex and I Perfect. can get a modifier. But here he gets to be Alex Jr. Alex, what do you know anything about what the, se- the sales process is? Because organizationally, there are a lot of things to love about the Chicago Fire, be it a new training facility, be it an owner that does seem to care. And local talent, it's young and able to thrive potentially in this next year are you asking for like what's the selling point on this team to yeah, a yeah potential i'm very coach? curious i mean i think if i were in that position what i would look at is this team probably has a bigger budget than most teams in mls they haven't spent it well but they certainly do have a bigger budget and there they is should there right and in the last four years while you haven't seen it on the field i do think that generally as a whole almost everything in the club is moving in the right direction. It's just that that hasn't been reflected on the field because the roster construction has been poor. So I think that is, that would be quite enticing for me if I were looking at jobs in MLS. Uh, But apparently based on this, either that wasn't enough to convince potential head coaches, or like I said before, they just thought Frank was the best guy for the job out of the options they had. That's where I want to get to a, um, and we were going to bring this up regardless, but it's where I want to get to a comparison Tim brought up, which is the USMNT keeping Greg Berhalter. And there, there are some similarities and some not similarities, though I think it's also fair to say, too. First of all, at least in the U.S. soccer case, even if you don't believe that they actually went through a thorough process, they're given plausible deniability by that it was different people doing the hiring. Correct. So, again, you know, new leadership, uh, Matt Crocker, the now current Sporting director of U.S. Soccer is in there under Sidney Parlow Cohen as president, neither of whom held those posts when Burhalter was hired the first time. Everybody's the same in the Chicago Fire. It is the exact same people doing the hiring, so it's even less surprising that they ended up with the same result of keeping the same coach. And the other thing I think that's important, and we've touched on this a bit, is do people want this job? That's almost, I think, why you saw USMNT fans getting their hopes up so much because the U.S. men's national team job right now seems really attractive. You've got a home World Cup coming up in a couple of years. You've got one of the youngest teams in the world that hasn't hit their ceiling yet. You've got a, you know, you've, there's a lot of intangibles and a lot of even the on-field stuff that the U.S. men's national team job you would think would be a thing some high-profile people might look at, and thus it feels disappointing to keep the same guy around. With the fire, though, I think it is a really valid concern of when you see that Heights and Peltzer are brought back on one-year deals, you look at this roster and you see a lot of guys with expiring contracts at the end of this coming season, including, you know, one of the highest paid guys in the league. So that in itself will free up a bunch of money. I, I, I could understand why maybe a lot of candidates who would be interested might either say, no, this isn't for me or no, I'll come back next year when you're inevitably doing this all over again. Yeah, it's a matter of how ambitious you are with this job. If you're willing to try to take this as a stepstone job, this could be a great gig. You could really prove something given the consistent mediocrity. And we talked about this when there were, we did that uh, X Spaces a couple weeks ago, Twitter, formerly, whatever. Uh, it, we This team in 2024 has some young talent that maybe after 2024 might want to try something else, especially if the results are similar. 
So one of them is already asking for a transfer. <laughs> that wasn't the one I was referring to. But no, we, but you know, but he's he, young enough, Carlos Duran. Yeah, of course. Well, <laughs> we can talk about uh, how to dissect journalism a different day. But with talents like Brady and Gutierrez, isn't this kind of the time, uh, young Alex, Alex Jr., that you need to take advantage of what the Fires Academy has brought in? Because I know at CF2 games recently, the best players aren't necessarily homegrowns. Right. I think you're in a moment right now where if you want to advertise yourself as one of the top youth-producing teams in the country, you need to take advantage of that right now when you have Brian Gutierrez, when you have Chris Brady, when you hopefully have a guy like Sergio Odahel taking a step forward in the near future. Because when I look at the academy, I don't see a pipeline that is producing a bunch of guys who are going to keep up that momentum that the Fire Academy has right now in producing talents for the first team. So, yes, you certainly want to take advantage of the fact that Guti and Brady are there right now because they're some of the better players in MLS in their position. You're not going to get that again. And you need to make the most of that so you can advertise Chicago as a team that can develop young players if you want to get more young players to come your way. Um, so I don't, I honestly don't know the track record of Klopas in terms of developing those players as a head coach because he doesn't really have experience with that because when he was the coach of the fire before, homegrowns were kind of a new thing. It was a completely different league at that point, and he's really only been the interim when he's been in charge the last couple of years. So I don't really know how much his hiring will apply to this question about the academy. But I totally agree. You need to make the most out of this next one, two years while you have Guti and Brady because once you don't have those guys anymore, you're going to be waiting a couple of years before you have another top, top young player in MLS on your roster. And you're also unlikely going to be able to replace those guys and their output on the roster for as cheaply as they are currently afforded. Yes, both those guys, Gutierrez and Brady, have both recently signed new contracts, but they're still relatively affordable, and they spent, to this point, their time making very, very little money, relatively speaking, on those homegrown deals. So, yeah, again, it's financial, it's sporting. There's there's a lot of concerns. Um, I, I think the other thing we have to address that a lot of people have kind of been thinking about is you know you look at the new york red bulls they have one downish year everybody gets fired <laughs> montreal fired their coach dc united uh rooney quits they fired their gm uh toronto fired everybody these are the fires competition so i i, I guess alex the last specific question on clopas before we get to some other fun few things before we get out of here is if the question is posed like to you why people should fans in particular why should people believe in the idea of, you know, we want to be competitive? Well, everybody you're competing with did things that make it clear they're making an effort there. You know, is there any silver lining here or is it just kind of we all just sit here and shrug and wonder what what the club is seeing that we're all not? Yeah, I mean, I, I personally, you can call me like a blind optimist, but I do think that there are some potential positives that come out of the Clopas hiring. We hate to use the word continuity because of its uh, what we Synergy. think of from a couple of years ago, but you are having a guy as head coach now who very well knows the squad, who knows the club, who knows all this stuff. Also, you haven't seen Klopas actually have the chance to, to build his own roster. 
But like in the past, when he's taken over as interim, he's been dealing with the team from Ezra, where Ezra had a fairly different style of play to how Frank wanted to play. So Frank was within Ezra's roster. Now that he has the opportunity to mold it in his own image, that's another plus. And as much as we have had this constant discussion about Heights and, and Peltzer or whatever and their ability to to identify talent, identify coaches, whatever, I mean, they clearly have a lot of faith in him. I mean, when Frank was rehired, this was, I believe, Heights' last media appearance. He called yep. Frank a soccer expert. He is a soccer expert, he said. So clearly he, uh, he has a lot of faith in him. And it's true. Frank does know the league very well. Um, he does know this club. He knows the players. And personally, again, I like to look for optimism in things like this the best I can. I think that with a full season where he will have an off season, he will have the opportunity to sign several players. Even the transfer business that's already been happening behind the scenes, Frank and the other finalists were briefed on that. They were asked about the potential new signings. I think it could be better than the previous times where he's been there as an assistant or where he hasn't had as much of a say in those decisions. At the same time, I still think, obviously, you could have gone for something more ambitious at the end of the day. But if you want to look for positives, I do think that he'll have this offseason to mold the roster. He'll be more involved in transfer decisions. I do think that potentially you could see a better outcome this season. Yeah, I, I, again, that is all very possible. And again, I think we should make it clear, like, we'd love to see Frank succeed. Like, oh, yeah, I'd love to see us go through this offseason as observers and see the fire make big, impactful signings and bring that hope. And again, Frank, no one around the organization has anything bad to say about Frank as a guy. He's uh, I know the interactions the media have had with him have all generally been really positive and it'd be great to see him succeed. It's just it's you can understand why selling that to the fans, let alone selling it to potential new coaches, is a bit of a tough sell. We're going to hit a couple last little points before we get out of here, but first, a shout-out to Goose Island Beer Company, the official beer of CHGO. Shout-out to Lawrence working the buttons behind the scenes. Got to. Goose Island has been Chicago's beer since 1988, and they are proud supporters of everything we do here at CHGO. They've got a great beer roster right now, as always. Oktoberfest still around as we get here into the latter stages of the year. The entire Beer Hug family, which has a beer for every taste and season. Of course, 312, the classic Chicago Wheat Ale, and Full Pocket Pills, an everyday beer, and it's what the brewers are drinking. I feel like we should take Alex Jr. off screen, isn't he? Like, isn't he like- <laughs> Am I breaking a law here? <laughs> Look, he can't approve or deny. But any he yet. is in college, no so comment. I also feel. Like yeah, I mean, it's it's great. Now, now, if the perfect thing would be if Alex just had like brought in like a can of Goose Island from off screen somewhere, that would have really been the the thing. But of course, we can't Never. advertise that specifically. Um, He's perfect. We can't do that to him. Yeah, we we, we can't a- we can't ask Alex what his favorite this? Goose Island is. This is better. This is better. Hey, oh, there we go. There, ah, there it is. Swap there, it up, baby. There it is. There it is. Anyway, you can grab ultra fresh brewery brewery exclusive beers in addition to that great roster at Goose Island's original brew house that's on Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln Park, or from their tap room on Fulton Street in Westtown. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer. All right, Alex, Joe, we've got a couple other <laughs> small things to hit on here. Some of them fire related, some of them not. Um. Uh, 
on the transfer stuff, no real movement. The only real news has been uh, Dubia not coming back. Uh, his option was denied. So I mean, we thought he might be back as a non-DP signing. He's not back at all. Marin Holly Selassie is still here on a permanent deal. That makes sense. But Tom Barlow, uh, New York Red Bulls striker who runs a whole lot and doesn't score many goals. Um, I mean, I guess he can't have a lower goal output than Casper Shabilko, but it, it also, I guess, Alex, I'll start with you on this one. It seems like him and Georgios Kutsias are going to be fighting a lot for minutes in terms of them likely both being backups to some future new number nine. Yeah, from what I've been told, he's supposedly the Kai Kamara replacement. And I, the idea is that there's going to be a DP9 who's going to come in, and we don't know for sure who that's going to be yet, but there are numerous possibilities uh, that Kutsi would still be there, that Barlow would be there, and I don't know what happens to Kasper Shabilko, who only has one year left on his contract that runs through 2024, I can confirm. So, yeah, <laughs> just coming back on a previous show there. But I think that's what the situation is going to be in this offseason, looking for that starting number nine for the DP. But the expectation is Barlow is going to be a backup. He's fairly cheap. I know that 400,000 number was the initial number that came out, but in reality, it's 250,000. It only gets up to 400,000 pretty much if he scores 10 goals in a single season, which is not going to happen. I can nope. I can tell you that. And if he does score 10 goals in a single season, sure, worth then he's it. definitely worth 400. I'm doing the polar plunge. If but, it happens, it ain't happening. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing you mentioned, Casper Shabilko there, Alex. Joe, I think it's pretty logical to say that you've got Kutsius, you've got Barlow, you have, in theory, a new designated player number nine coming in. That all points to buyout coming for Casper Shabilko, you'd have to think. It would not make sense if it didn't. Uh, it would be a lot, unless there's a health thing with somebody in the squad, there is uh, redundancy there. I'm still giggling at Tom Barlow being compared to Kai Kamara, just ceiling floor in their career. That feels a little, obviously that's not Alex's opinion, it's what he was, the comparison. But, but, but also they could just not be more different players. One's a younger quick guy who doesn't score very many goals and is kind of like an effort dude and the other is a legendary MLS goal scorer whose profile is that he's big strong and is going to win every ball in the air they they are not they are both strikers but the similarities on the field kind of end there yeah yeah if Barlow still had the cool hair it would be fun but other than that it's just it's so mid it's so boring (laughs) like there's just nothing about it that's substantive i'm just curious was there a market for him otherwise because this 250k that it really doesn't matter but i'm very curious were the fire bidding against themselves because this is one of those players that has a value in mls just in the right role for the right team maybe 15 minutes a game. Yeah, no, I, I think I'd, I'd agree with uh, I'd agree with all of that. So, yeah, that's really been the only link. We, we keep waiting to see news. You also got to remember that when you hear these these things come out, you know, somebody, the, the, there was sourcing that decided not to be quiet, either on the Red Bull side yeah. or on the fire side. Somebody decided to talk about it. So, again, that's where you get into the tea leaves of, okay, if we know this is true, what else does what else does this mean? Why why is this information that's out in the world? But, again, you know, we, we've heard, and Alex, some of it's even been from reporting you've done, that the Fire are expecting to have a busy, busy offseason. And so, again, I, th- I think, to your point, if Frank Klopas has some real say in that, I, I think I'm, I'm interested to see how that goes. 
Um, of course, the thing we got to do before we get out of here is MLS Cup is this weekend. Mm-hmm. The Columbus crew hosting LAFC at lower.com field in Columbus, Ohio, after they overturned a two-goal margin from FC Cincinnati. Uh, you know, may- maybe it's because FC Cincinnati was missing two of their starting center backs. <laughs> maybe it wasn't. Uh, you know, if Cincinnati wants to, to keep insisting that, you know, they were they were wronged in some way. Anyhow, then on, on the Western Conference side, uh, LAFC beats Houston, who is kind of like, I feel like, Everybody who's kind of like an MLS nerd, Houston's been like the darling team yep. this year. Mainly, I just like Coco Karaskia dribbling four dudes and then firing shots into the 20th row. I just I, I enjoy that as a general vibe of a soccer player. But I think we got to get we got to get predictions here. Uh, Joe, I'll start with you. LAFC going back to back or is Columbus at home going to win Ohio title? I hate to say it, but it's going to be Columbus winning three to one in the final. Cucho's going to have a brace. It. I ugh, going to school in Ohio just <laughs> makes you resent everything Ohio, and I hate to make that prediction, but LAFC in the cold, I don't bet on that team any day. See, Ohio State fans, there is a playoff final you can care about. It's not all bad. Florida State fans, I got nothing for you. You're oh, with, the, the women. The, the women's, women's soccer team won the national championship last night, and sh- shout out to everybody, and yes, this is including patting myself on the back, who all made versions on the exact same joke about Florida State's offense. Um, Alex, you think LAFC are going to travel well with our friend Antti Razov, part of the, uh, the strategic planning there, or are you agreeing with Joe that uh, Columbus is going to take this home? No, I said the same thing from the start of the playoffs. The MLS Cup winner is going to come out of the Eastern Conference. There's no way that LAFC are going to win this game in my eyes. I mean, granted, they are a team that, sure, you don't have a Gareth Bale. You still do have game changers like Denny Boanga, But Vela is not the same as he was. The midfield isn't, I don't think, as good as it was last year either. So I do think Columbus will take this one. Three to one I was, I was going to say, but Joe stole that. So I'm going to say four to two just to be different. Um, But no, I do think Columbus take this. I think between Columbus, a full strength Cincinnati, uh, even Philly, Orlando, I think any of those teams would have beaten LAFC. So yeah, I think Columbus take this one. Yeah, I think I like that pick. I'm going to make it three from three and go Columbus. LAFC oh, play a lot of track meet games. Yeah, where, where's the uh, where's the uh, Monday night, the, the Sunday NFL <laughs> countdown graphic where everybody picks the same team and then the other team wins? Um, no, I, LAFC play a lot of games that just get so open and track meet and basketball-like. And I, I've got a, I, I'm still not sure if I'm going to stand on this take, but I think Cucho Hernandez has a – that's got a claim or an argument as – among the best transfers in Major League Soccer history. I think he's been just phenomenal for them. Christian Ramirez is a guy who can come off the bench and score some goals. Diego Rossi playing against LAFC in MLS Cup. That's a great storyline and just a total example of how LAFC have, despite being really ambitious with some of their signings, completely bungled the financials of selling those players anywhere. And I think a Rossi goal against LAFC (laughs) to win MLS Cup if we want to go with the script writers, that's what I'm going to go. So I'm going to say it's it's 2-1 LAFC. Cucho scores the opener. Bawanga does something by himself ridiculous to level it up. And then Diego Rossi wins it for the best coach in Major League Soccer, Wilfred Nazi and Columbus Crew. Yeah, he, he could have been a fire coach, couldn't he? <sighs> you know, um, also, we saw this just this is just a funny MLSism um, that came across while we were recording the show. Uh, according to Manuel Vett from uh, Transfer Marked, 
Uh, Fabio Cannavaro reached out to five MLS teams with openings, expressing interest in becoming their head coach. None of them called him back. So we're allowed to just... No, no, but no, it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do for none of them. But it was just great that it was every MLS team with an opening refused to call him back, and that that's on the record. That's amazing. So shout out to Major League Soccer for, you know, they they do know how to avoid real pitfalls sometimes with coaches. Uh, Not you, Montreal. You hired Hernan Losada after DC United almost won a wooden spoon. So you get get no credit. That's going to do it for this edition of an emergency CHGO Fire podcast. Keep an eye out. Maybe there will be other news that rises to this level over the offseason. Shout out to everybody who joined the uh, the Twitter spaces we hosted a couple weeks ago when it was announced Heights and Pelzer were staying. We had a weird random spike in listenership in the middle of that. So to whichever fire player like DM'd that to everybody, <laughs> thank you, I guess. Thank you, yeah. You know, we jumped from like 65 to 150 people and like three minutes and I'm not exactly sure what happened there but hey not mad about it hopefully all of those people who tuned in for that space tuned in today or wherever you're listening to that on your podcast player of choice shout out to Tim Hotza who joined us earlier and to Alex Calabrese both of men in red 97 follow them both on social media keep up the good work guys Alex thanks so much thank you for having me on it's always a pleasure Yep, uh, good luck with, uh, I assume you have to go back to homework or something of that sort now. Enjoy the party. <laughs> but he, he, does, he does have the lighting going for him. <laughs> and then Joe Chats, thank you as always. Short notice, coming My in pleasure. here in studio. Always really enjoy it. Thanks again for your contributions. Always happy to be here, especially Studio A for a D-list person like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, that's going to do it on this episode. I'm Alex Campbell. Thanks so much for watching on YouTube and listening to the CHGO Fire podcast. And we'll see you next time for Chicago Fire News or, you know, if this team ever does something that really gets us excited and more hopeful for the future. But we'll see what happens next, and we'll see you next time. We all silly like the mayor. 